Welcome to session four. Um, we're going to pick up on page 11. We looked once again at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, and we talked about the fact that angels are n not like God. They're not omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere at the same time. They're not omniscient, all-knowing, although they may like you to think so, especially one particular angel. All right, but he's an angel. He's not God. All right, and so we're going to be looking at that in just a moment. So we're talking about angels, and we also know from the Apostle Peter's writing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, that there are things that have been revealed to us that even the angels desire to look into. It says there, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was in then, uh, excuse me, who was in them, um, was indicating, yeah, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things with a, which angels desire to look into. Okay, so um, this, is, this is telling us, very complicated scripture, but it's telling us that there was things that God had planned and that the angels even desire to look into that have been revealed to us by the Spirit of God. Remember the Spirit of God is God. Amen? He's not a lesser part, He is God, alright? And so the things that were in the heart and mind of God have been revealed to us, God's kids, all right, that even angels are looking into and going, oh, wow, is that what he was up to? All right, interesting, isn't it? Now, <coughs> there are, that doesn't mean that all the angels don't know. I know of one angel that seems to know stuff that comes directly from God's throne room. We know him to be Gabriel. We know he's going to carry some very important messages in the future to some people, future from here, okay, to some people about kids they're going to have that are going to turn the world upside down. All right, but Satan didn't know. All right, so, okay. Now, <clears throat> let's get back to this. So, however, like God, uh, though, angels do not grow old or hungry or tired, and they can either remain invisible or manifest themselves to us as God wills. And like human beings, God did create angels as individuals with distinct personalities and gave each one of them or each of them distinct duties and definite domains in which to exercise their delegated authority, all of which will become clear when we get to Lucifer's rebellion. All right, there's a lot in that statement. Can I just take a moment? All right, let's go back to this. God created angels as individuals. All right, he didn't make him out of a cookie cutter. All right, just like we are individuals, so are they. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. They have desires. They have thoughts about their life. They have thoughts about where they are, who they're worshipping. You know, I don't know about Blue Monday and stuff, but they have thoughts. <laughs> Do you understand? Okay, it is obvious from the rebellion that took place that there were things that Satan was able to use against them 
all right, to lead them astray. Exactly. They do have wills. And see, I used to always have a problem with that. I used to have this problem that, God, why don't you just create robots? And then, you know, when I first got my computer, all right, and, and I was doing computer science at uni and stuff, and you can start writing programs. And you can write a program to, for the computer to tell it that it loves you. Or you're the greatest looking thing on planet Earth. And <laughs> but you know what? You can program all that stuff in, and you know what? When it tells it to you, it's just doing its job. It means absolutely nothing, because it has no will. Do you understand? For something to mean something, you need to know that the person can say no. And if they choose to say, I love you, it's because they do. Do you understand? That's what makes it special. It wouldn't be special if they were just programmed to say it. Of course they're going to say it. Whether you shoot them in the head or whether you treat them well or badly, that's just what they're programmed to say. I love you. I love you. I love you. Put a battery in. Okay? And that's it. Do you understand? And so every creation God makes, He puts a will in it. Okay? And we know of these. Now, I won't go into, okay, when I say every creation, don't go crazy with that. Alright? But sentient beings, okay? Things that think. They have choices. Alright? And we don't think about these things, and I need you to think about these things now. Alright? He created them as individuals with distinct personalities. You know, some could be funny, and some could not, not be so funny. And do you understand? They're not all the same. Some of them want it. God says, go rescue that person. They go, can I do it in a leather jacket and chains and on a Harley? Fine, whatever. I'm not kidding. There have been people that have been rescued by angels dressed exactly like that, that came on Harleys. And when they looked around, they were gone. They helped them out of all kinds of scrapes, and then suddenly they just... I tell you, they got personalities. I wonder if the other angels are going, oh yeah, yeah, okay, it's him, whatever. You know, <laughs> there he goes again with the Harleys. I don't know what he has. Pro- anyway, I need you to know this. I ne- <laughs> I need you to know. We'll understand some of this in a minute. I need you to know that the angel that's watching over you has a personality. He's not just an angel that's just a blank stare and just following orders. Do you understand? That's why it says we're going to be judging them at the end. Never mind, we won't go there today. Back to this. So they have distinct personalities and they've been given distinct duties. Now one angel is going to rebel against one of his duties. All right? And definite domains. Remember how the Apostle Paul talked about, I should have put that scripture here. When the Apostle Paul talked about principalities and powers and rulers, he's actually not only talking about um, different levels, but different domains as well. All right? And if you study that out to a degree, and I'm careful how people pull things apart. Okay? Because you don't want to get so caught up in something that you think, oh, well, that demon only can do this at that place. (laughs) Yeah, until he does something that you didn't figure out on. Okay, so don't ever get stuck on that stuff. It's good to know generally, but watch out with specifics. That's all I'll say. Okay? Alright. But it has this idea, and when we get into the Old Testament, and we're going to look at 
some Old Testament scriptures, you're going to start to understand, even when Michael tries to break through, he says that there's a prince over the air that Daniel was under. And he had to fight through that structure to get through. And it was so difficult that he had to go and get the archangel Michael to come and help him to get through. Don't tell me there isn't stuff going on up there that we can't see. Okay? All right. So they have definite domains in which to exercise their delegated authority. They have been given authority. It's been delegated to them by God. Are you all here? Okay. It's not some helter-skelter world out there. It's all organized. Okay? Satan's kingdom isn't as organized as God's, but he learned from God, and God only knows how long he learned from God. Okay? How long before the rebellion took place. Also, as magnificent as they are, we are not to worship angels, which of course includes Satan, because they are meant to be fellow servants with us. Now, let me stop there for a minute. This is why it's such a horrendous thing when people worship the devil. Did you get that? Because we're never meant to worship them. That's like you create something and it goes and worships the dog or the cat. You're going, really? Seriously? <laughs> okay? Because we are made on a higher order than angels. Do you understand? They're powerful beings. But we have no idea what we were capable of when God first created us. I hate it that people and commentators never get that. It saddens me. What we were created were in, was in the image and likeness of God. Seriously, we have no idea what that means. And what we were able to do was second only to God. Not angels, to God. I would love to preach on that right now. I really would, but it's not Sunday. All right, so. <laughs> Some days on Sunday, I forget that I can preach, you know. All right. <clears throat> in Revelation chapter 19, we need to turn the page. In verses 9 and 10, I'm on page 12. It says, that, And the angel said, Write this, Blessed are those, remember this is to John, who are uh, invited to the wedding, feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. Then, says John, I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, No, don't worship me, for I am a servant of God just like you. Interesting, isn't it? They all serve God just like us. And other believers who testify of their faith in Jesus worship God. Wow. All right, there's an angel telling you firsthand worship God. Want to worship somebody? Worship God. Okay. Now, before we go on to look at the various types of angels uh, that God created, that we have any record of, I'm not going to go off from the Bible, by the way. There's a lot of stuff out there, and when I was researching this, I really had to make decisions about how far to go. And the more I looked at all the stuff that's out there, all right, uh, the more I, I became convinced that we just need to stick to what we have. So. Uh, I'm sorry if you wanted me to go somewhere with this and you've heard of things and, you know, some of the books, Apocrypha, and you, you all understand Apocrypha? Yeah. It's a Catholic Bible. They got a few extra books. Oh, yeah. All right. They, they have names of other angels and stuff in there, okay? Raphael and all sorts of things. But it, they have, the books were not deemed accurate or trustworthy enough to be put in the scripture of canon, okay? Canon of scripture, they're backwards. 
Okay? So I'm not going there for that reason. Do you understand? Okay? All right. So I, I could tell you stories, but I don't want to tell you those kind of stories. All right? I want to stick to the Bible. Okay? So, <coughs> uh, what we... Let me, can I reread this? <laughs> Before we go on to look at various types of angels that God created that we have any record of, we need to deal with one area of confusion, and that is the belief that angels are actually glorified human beings who lived saintly lives and at death were promoted to this rank. Anybody see Casper? Okay, how his mummy was an angel. No. Okay. <laughs> that cannot be true in the light of the fact that the Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 3, don't you realize that we Christians would judge angels? Now, that's a bad promotion. If you're going to get promoted to an angel and then somebody's going to judge you, that's still down here. I don't think that's a promotion. Do you think that's a promotion? I don't want that promotion. Okay. In, <laughs> okay. In other words, it would be wrong for God to promote someone who led an exemplary life to something that is going to be judged by those who led less than perfect lives and remained human. The reason for this belief actually came from misinterpreting two scriptures. The first is in Luke chapter 20, verses 34 through 36, where Jesus says, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels. So when you read it in the King James and look at that, you go, yeah, see, that's where it says it. Okay? But remember, that's the King James version. It's not the Greek version. Okay? Alright. Only the King James has the phrase, they are equal unto the angels. Most modern translations now accurately translated to say, they are like angels. Did you get that? There's a difference between them being angels and being like angels. Okay? Meaning that when we die, we will become like angels in certain respects. Not that we will be angels. Alright. That's why the New Living Translation has Jesus saying in that same scripture, okay, in Luke 20, 36, and they will never die again. In these respects, they are like angels. I like that. Alright? They are children of God raised up to new life. Therefore, what Jesus says is that once we die and are resurrected from the dead, we will be like the angels who do not die or get married. But this is not the only scripture, I'm on page 13 now, that led to this confusion. There is another found in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 30 where Jesus says, For in the resurrection they, human beings, neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Did you see that? Again, people read that and go, aha, see, there it is. Alright? Okay. Once again, the King James can be misleading. Excuse me. And why, that's why we don't speed read the Bible. Okay? You know, as much as you know, we have qualms with some of the things that the Catholics say, one thing that I understand why they say, they say, no, no, no don't read the Bible yourself because you, you know, go crazy. Okay, that part isn't right. Okay. <laughs> but the thing is that I do understand there are some things need to be explained out. Do you understand? And so I can understand why you know, they can get overprotective, but then you can't do that because then you're stopping people from God talking to them through his word. And a lot of blood went into getting that word on the page. Okay, so it's dumb to... Anyway, but I can understand. Okay, always listen to me. Even though you may not agree with people, understand what's behind what they do. Okay, you can find common ground. You just need to look. All right. 
So, <coughs> in short, both Luke 20, uh, did I? Okay, the New Living Translation, uh, excuse me, the New International Version. So again, once again, the King James can be misleading, while the New International Version better translates it as saying, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like, again, the angels in heaven. All right, so once again, the, word, the correct words are used there and gives the right meaning. So in short, both Luke 20, 36, Matthew 22, and verse 30 tell us that once we are resurrected, we will be similar to the angels in certain respects, even though we will not be angels ourselves. So again, there has always been and will always ever be that many angels, okay, 1.5 trillion angels. And even though we know that they are not all powerful like God, it's, it still says in 2 Peter 2.11 that they are very powerful beings. They are powerful, okay? And the Apostle Peter writes there, he says, Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not a railing accusation against them before the Lord. I won't go into what that's talking about right now. In addition to this, it also says in Psalm 103 and verse 30, Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength. Okay, so first he says greater in power and might. Now we see angels are mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the word, the voice of his word. That's who's working for you. Okay, they are not feeble things. When they come to look after you, feel sorry for the other guy. <laughs> okay, because I mean, they, would, they won't think twice in the sense. Remember I told you, they have feelings. I reckon they go, don't mess with my human. Don't mess with them. You touch them and you won't have a hand. <laughs> you know, I j you know, so please don't upset them and you know, okay. Okay, do you know what I'm trying to say? Do what God tells you to do. Because they get frustrated, because they can see God, they can see Him in all of His glory, and then they can see you. <laughs> okay? And when God tells you something, they know what He's up to in, that, in, in certain respects. I believe that they go, yeah, that's it. That's what He needs to do. And you go, I don't know, I'll think about it. And they're going, ugh, tick, give me another human. <laughs> no, they won't do that. All right? They're rooting for you, man. Okay, like I said, they have feelings and they have personalities. They're not robots. Okay. One more scripture. Finally, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7, and verse, excuse me, verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul says, oh, I only have verse 7. My bad. Uh, pencil, pencil. In one second, let me make a correction. My first correction. Probably made lots of mistakes, never found them. But anyway... <laughs> Let's just find that one, shall we? All right. Um, it says here, again, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, And God will provide uh, rest for you who are being persecuted, and also for us, when the Lord appears from heaven, He will come with His mighty angels. They are being described as mighty angels. All right? When they make those comments, they don't just throw words out there, because they're looking for a adjective or whatever to stick in front of angels. I think that's the right word, isn't it? Anyway, okay, they are telling you something. That being this case, let's take a quick look at their appearance, classification, and function. Alright? Their appearance, classification, and function. As we do, remember again that God created each type of angels for a specific purpose and function. This is very important. Alright? God created them with a specific purpose and function. Alright. 
That being the case, unless scripture says otherwise, we'll refrain from trying to rank them according to natural human standards. And that's what I've found a lot of times people rank them according to the way we think. You can't do that. You know why? Because we are dealing with fallen thinking. Alright? We have to allow for when God created, it was perfect, and He did it in a perfect way. Alright? And everything that was created was created perfectly and to work in harmony. That's the kind of perfection that we're missing today. Alright? So that's why it's a little difficult to see something that was created perfect from this side of the fence. Alright? From the fallen side. Okay. <coughs> so we'll do our best. In doing so, or in doing this, alright, we will begin to see the way that God intended everything to function, which, in, which is in unity and harmony, without having one type of angel jealous or envious of another type of angel in any way or form. Did you all get that? Okay, alright. So rank and position aside, let's look at the different types of angels that the Bible makes reference to, beginning with the first type of angel we encounter in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24 and that is the cherubim alright it says there so he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden I love this next part and a sword this is, this is not the angel's sword don't read that into this listen to what it says and a, and a flaming sword and a flaming sword. There's an angel and a flaming sword. That which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Where is all this in the movies? So at the perimeter of the garden are cherubim. If by chance somehow you get past them, you're going to get freaked out because the next thing you're going to run into is a sword. It's going to be alive and it will follow you whichever way you go. It will follow you. And it has one job. It was created to, for one thing. To slice and dice. <laughs> you all getting this? Forget Indiana Jones. I mean, this, this is just incredible. We miss all this. This is what God does. Remember I told you, God creates things with wills. Don't discount too many things. I, I don't want to take you too far. I don't want to freak you out. Okay? But isn't that interesting? There's a sword. A sword that's on fire that by itself moves. It has a will of its own. Hmm? You know I can't wait to make this movie, don't you? You can see that, right? Okay. Oh, let's just blow some minds, man. All right. So from this we immediately see that one function of the cherubim were to act as guardians when necessary. Alright, this is very important. That must mean that they were able to act in a military capacity if and when needed. Alright, so he's not going to put some wimpy angel there to guard the garden. Do you understand? You wonder why they put a cherubim there, huh? That will be answered. Because the thing that's going to try to get in there is the same class. Anyway, let's keep going. This piece of information is going to become extremely relevant when we look at a particular cherubim class of angel called Lucifer, who decided to rebel against God and truly believed that it was in his power to overthrow God himself. Talk about being deluded. 
we get an indication of their power from what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 37, verse 16, and that is, O Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. Wow. Not just the cherubim, mighty. They are powerful things. They are powerful. When you are talking about God and then powerful angels next to God, they're powerful. Because anything next to God looks so wimpy, it'd be laughable. But these things, obviously, <laughs> you look at God, you look at these things going, oh, we're not going there uninvited. Amen? You all with me? Okay. That is why one was placed in the Garden of Eden. Oh, actually, I shouldn't say one, because it says cherubim, and that, can I change that? I'm going to say they were. Revelation is progressive. All right. <laughs> All right. That's why they were placed in the garden because it says that it, uh, and he placed cherubim. All right. Not one cherubim. Cherubim is kind of like fruit, it can be singular or plural. You know what I'm saying? One word means a lot, so to speak. Okay. Goes the same. Anyway, back to this. Okay. <laughs> so that's why they were placed in the Garden of Eden and charged to guard the way to the tree of life. In other words, the cherubim are always seen to be in a position of power and authority, and frequently in the very presence of God Himself. All right? It says in Psalm 80 and verse 1, O God, enthroned above or between the cherubim. Notice? God enthroned above or between, depending on what version you have. The cherubim display your radiant glory. They're always mentioned in, in with God. Or maybe not always, but you understand? They, you keep finding them mentioned with God. Alright, that is an indication there of something very special about them. And those cherubim didn't fall. Just saying. Another allusion to the power. I'm going to keep throwing comments at it in all the way through this because I want you to get a revelation at the end. Just because Lucifer fell, and he was a cherubim-class angel, not all the cherubim fell. There are people that will take him on with one hand tied behind their back and just whoop him up and down the place. Do you understand what I'm saying? They still work with us. Amen? What comes against us is an angel family. It's not all-knowing, it's a fallen angel who makes himself out to be so much more than he is. And I, to me, in my way of thinking, okay, this is Pastor Roche. I can just imagine the other cherubim when they saw him and knew what was going on. They would have known. See, the stupidity of Lucifer is he thought God didn't know what was going on. And he didn't know, and that nobody else knew. Always the person that is doing something wrong makes an assumption. It's usually a wrong assumption that nobody else knows what's going on. People know what's going on. You think you're so clever and trying to hide stuff. They know. Just saying. <laughs> okay? And I, I, I will tell you, there would have been conversations between the cherubim at the throne of God. I'm just telling you. They would have, said, they would have been talking to each other and going, I, we, I really hope he doesn't do, go through with this. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They have personalities. They're not robots. They would have been watching and going, this is not going to be good. It's going to get ugly. I can see Michael sharpening his sword. 
Oh, absolutely. I reckon it would have gone around the chain. Exactly right. Okay? Because for a third of the angels to fall, a lot would have known. And I guess, I know some of them would have said, no, we're not changing our position. And we suggest you better, you not go through this. This is a dumb move. In the history of dumb moves, this is a dumb move. <laughs> okay? Anyway. So much we can put in this movie. All right. Back to this. You know why I want to make a movie now, right? It's alive to me, all this stuff. Okay, so... <coughs> Another um, allusion to the power that the cherubim possess can be seen in the way that the psalmist says in Psalm 99 and verse 1, The Lord reigns, let his nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. See, in other words, sandwiched between two statements of power and might are the cherubim. Okay, notice the nations tremble, the earth shake, all right, and he sits enthroned between cherubim. All of that gives you an idea of the power that is being, you know, that's on display, in a sense. Okay? And if people look, that's how they're going to feel about it. Nations tremble, not one person. Alright? Which means that what's there can take them all out. Okay? <coughs> okay. In fact, it is because of their superiority that God decided to place them with their wings outstretched as guardians over the mercy seat, the place for covering sins. And as a reminder of their presence, uh, ornates of gold were made and placed at the two ends of the mercy seat, as is brought out in Exodus chapter 25, verse 20. So there's a cherubim that are okay on this thing. And it says there, And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another, the faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy, the mercy seat. Isn't that something? Okay? Now, these guys have four faces. Alright? Anyway, as to that, we'll see all that now. Alright? As to the general appearance, okay? We get a glimpse. Are you all good still? Alright? Five more minutes and we're done. As to the general appearance, we get a glimpse in Ezekiel chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, and continuing through to verse 14. Alright? It's a lot of scriptures here. It says here, the Lord gave a message to me, Ezekiel, the son of Buzi, or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> what a name. How's your father, Buzi? Oh, yeah, very Buzi. No. Anyway, my bad. <laughs> let's, let's keep going. I know, right? I know. I shouldn't have gone there. Anyway, <laughs> he's a busy priest. Anyway, he says, the son of that guy, all right, a priest, there beside the uh, Kebar River. Now, that's important, all right? Where he got the message was beside the Kebar River, all right? In the land of the Babylonians, and I felt the hand of the Lord take hold of me. As I looked, I saw a great storm coming toward me from the north. Now, picture this. He is seeing a great storm. I get his little heart was pitter-pattering now. Okay? All right. Driving before it a huge cloud that flashed with lightning and shone with brilliant light. Wow. The fire inside the cloud glowed like a gleaming amber. Think he was getting a little scared? I think he well, I would have been freaking out right now. Okay. From the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human. Wow. So are you getting a picture? Please let this build in you. Alright. Except that each had four faces and two pairs of wings. Okay. How many wings? Two pairs. Okay. So four wings. Their legs 
were straight like human legs, but their feet were split like calves feet and shone like burnished bronze. You're getting the picture? All right. Beneath each of their wings, I could see human hands. The wings of each living being touched the wings of the two beings beside it. The living beings were able to fly in any direction without turning around. Why? We'll see in a minute. Each had a human face in the front, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle at the back. Wouldn't want to run into one of these at night. <laughs> okay, are you getting this? All right, so they've got feet, they're not human. All right, straight like human, but when you get to the foot, it ain't human. You can't put a shoe on it. All right, and it, it's got wings, two sets. All right, four wings. Those angels that they have in the movies and stuff, two wings. What about it? Four wings. All right, there's reasons for the four. They have four wings. They have hands inside their wings. All right. Are you all getting this? Okay. And they have four faces. That's why they don't have to turn around. They got literally eyes in the back of their head. Somebody said, where are their ears at? Don't ask. I <laughs> do. Okay. It's like, hey, to the right, open your mouth. I need to hear. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't know how that works. And it, okay. Somehow they can hear. Or like, let's just tel telepathy or hand signals. I don't know. Whatever. They, but the thing is, isn't it interesting? Do you know one of the things that I've, I've noticed, and I may be wrong with this, so please do correct me if I'm wrong, but I've noticed that eagles can literally turn all, almost all the way around to the back. Is that true? I've, I've, I've seen that in a picture somewhere. They can do that, can't they? Yeah, okay. Isn't it interesting that the face of the eagle is back? Just like what the bird can do. It can spin its head all the way around. It's like owls, man. Freak you out the way they turn. You know? Do you understand? Okay? So it's interesting that God gave that particular bird the ability to look all the way around and the cherubim angel has an eagle face on the back. Just things to think about as we go through this. Alright. <coughs> oh, I'm almost done here. Time's almost up. He says, each had two pairs of outstretched wings. One pair stretched out to touch the wings of the living beings on either side of it and the other pair covered its body. So notice one's touching the wings of the one next to it and the other one is covering its body. Interesting, isn't it? And they went in whatever direction the spirit chose and they moved straight forward in all directions without having to turn around because forward to, you know, this face is here. Forward to that face is that way. So they can move forward in any direction. Did you get it? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Verse 13, the living beings look like bright coals of fire or brilliant torches, and it looked as though lightning was flashing back and forth among them. Incredible vision, isn't it? Yeah, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? And the living beings darted to and fro like flashes of lightning. That's how fast they travel. Now, I have run out of time. I have to stop, otherwise I'll have to try and edit stuff out. So I'm, I'm sorry, we'll have to leave it there. We will pick it up here. And we're going to find out that these beings were cherubim. Okay? And we'll pick this up. I'm sorry, I, I have to. We'll pick this up next week. All right.